have nothing to give you. <laughs> I, 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 uh, in a sense, you say, oh, Mark didn't study this week. Not that way. Um, you know, I'm always preparing to say, you know, what, what, God, what are you trying to say to uh, each and every person here? But we learned last week that the word, it's not guaranteed to bear fruit in your life. If you weren't here last week or the week before, um, those, normally I wouldn't do this, but those are two messages I think every person in our church uh, here in this group uh, needs to hear. Uh, not just once, even uh, maybe a few times, just going through that. A couple weeks ago, we talked just about having a picture, vision for your life, vision what it is, for, the means for our church here is Kingsway, vision for you as a family and parenting, whatever it is, but seeing that vision, definitely one. You can find them online on our website. The second one, last week we talked about the heart. We talked about how God's word is good, but the condition of our hearts is what actually brings, uh, brings fruit in our lives. And so you could have good word being sown into your life and it does nothing for you consistently uh, over and over and over again. It's like, oh, you know, it just didn't happen. And we think, oh God, it's you. Uh, he's trying to tell us it's, there's something in our heart that we need to look at and realize that it's the condition of our heart that matters. Uh, and we talked about that last week. If you remember heart, good, Rhonda, thank you. Thank you. Heart matters. It matters. This morning, it matters just as much today as it did last week. Oh man, I don't have to back up. What are you guys doing up here on the front row? Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn, uh, turn to the uh, book of Proverbs. We're going to get there in a little bit, and I'll tell you where to go from there. But um, we've been talking about heart because it matters. I would also like to update everyone that the Leafs um, heart surgery was successful this week, and they've won four in a row. So um, Bob was going to make me wear Montreal Canadiens gear, but Praise God, four in a row, we don't need to do that. So, uh, but we talked about that last week. Heart matters. You know, if you play without heart, if you're the tin man, have no heart. If you live life without heart, you're missing a, a big part of it. But we we're talking about the condition of our heart. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into that this morning. So uh, Mark chapter 4, it, the, we read the story last week of the sower and the seed. But following that, Jesus is talking about different things, about how the seed just automatically grows in your life. You don't know how it happens. It just grows. You put the seed in there. You put whatever it is in your heart. And it says even while you're, while you're awake and while you're sleeping, that thing's growing till it comes to a place of where there's fruit on it and it bears fruit in your life. And so uh, we, were, we were looking at um, some of that stuff. In Mark chapter 4, verse 24, in the Amplified Version, it says this. It says, he said to them, be careful, pay attention. He had just told them that. Hey, you know, listen up. Get understanding. Get this. He says it to them again. Be careful. Pay attention to what you're hearing. Not just, um, not again, the word hearing is to what you're understanding, to what you're learning this morning, to when you're ever under, uh, in a spot where the word is being spoken to your life or you're studying it. Pay attention to it, to what you're hearing. He says this, the measure of thought and study that you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear or to those who understand. He's saying the measure. What, again, putting it back in our, in, our, um, in our court, saying the measure that you are studying and giving attention to this word is the measure that it's going to bear fruit back into your life. So how are you measuring the word into your life uh, lately? Are you sowing the word in? Last week we talked about spoonfuls or dump trucks. What did you do this week? Was it a spoonful? You're like, oh, rats. Last time I heard the word was last Sunday. You know, Mark, you, you did it for me. You know, the spoonful. Or did you say, you know what, this week? No, man, I'm, I'm getting in there. I'm going to, you know, join the Bible study on Tuesday nights or, or Monday nights at Rhonda's. You know, it's ladies only. But, but you know, I, I'm going I'm to find a way to get God's word in here. Start, you know, going through doing a daily devotional, listening to podcasts, whatever it is, but getting his word into your life. What did you do this week? What did you do? Did you realize that after you left last week, the devil was just trying to steal that word right away? How? 
by you not paying, paying any attention to it. And so the word that we, we've been talking about uh, is so important because if we don't get this, Jesus said, you're not going to get any of the other ones. You're not going to understand the kingdom. You're not going to understand healing. You're not going to understand money. You're not going to understand anything else that he talked about par- uh, with um, parables. You're not going to understand heaven. You're not going to understand hell, salvation. You're just not going to get the full understanding of that if you don't understand this is that that seed's getting sown in your heart and your job is to protect it. Protect it until it grows. Believe until it grows in your life. I thought this week too, how much are we sowing into our kids' lives? Last week we threw some uh, uh, optional apps up there on the screen. Uh, There's one, the Bible app for kids. How much are you sowing into your kids' life or are you aware of the fact that they need good seed sown and, and protected in their life as well? They need it now. You know, our kids deal with real issues. That's what we're, you know, teaching them to know Jesus for themselves downstairs because they, they got real things to go through. You know, they're dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with fear. They're dealing with this, this idea of value and self-worth and who am I, purpose. You know, my daughter, just over the last few um, uh, month or so, she's been really struggling with fear. Uh, she was fine up until, you know, a little while ago, and all of a sudden she just won't stay in her own bed. You know, in the middle of the night, multiple times, she's finding her way over. You know, I had a bad dream. I'm scared. And uh, so last, uh, what was it, Friday night, Beth and I thought, you know, we're going to sit down and watch a movie and just spend some time together. You know, get four kids in bed early. And she's like, I'm scared. And we're like, oh, okay, we want to sleep in, you know, mom and dad's bed with the heated blanket. Like, oh, you know, okay. But she sleeps in there for a little bit, but doesn't sleep. And she just comes down. She's scared. I'm like, okay, why don't you take your little uh, iPod that uh, we bought you for your birthday and you can just play some games up there and hopefully she's going to fall asleep, right? So we can... Just, just enjoy some just downtime. Well, um, we're downstairs, and her iPod, she can text on it. So all of a sudden, I get a text, and it says, in homeschool printing, you know, spelling, scared dad, S-K-A-E-R-D, you know, scared dad with a sad face. And I was like, oh, great. You know, I'm like, Breeze, I told you, just text me if something happens up there. And uh, she, so she sends back a little one. Um, sad face Reese, happy face dad, right? Like, you know, I said, okay. I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's just cute. But I'm like, oh, oh. I said, Reese, I love you. And she's like, I love you too, dad. And then uh, she texts me back a little bit later. Um, I feel like puking, P-Y-U-K-I-N. And I'm like, oh, great. And I know she doesn't, right? So I'm like, okay, just make sure you puke in the toilet and not in our bed. I don't want to get electrocuted, right? So we got an electric heating blanket in there. Like, uh, so, you know, uh, so I text her just, you know, puke in the toilet and, and not in the bed. I get a little bit later, I tried, Dad, but, and I'm like, <gasps> you know, I'm thinking, is she puke in our bed? And then she's like, did you fall for my joke? And, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, this is, this got to stop, right? Um, and I'm thinking, man, you know, then I don't hear from her for a while. I'm thinking, yes, you know, this is good. She's finally, you know, not scared anymore. Then I go up later on and find out like at 1030 at night, she's texting my in-laws, you know, pictures of herself scared. And like, you know, I'm like, this is just great. We're terrible parents, right? All we wanted was just some downtime. Um, but then I began to realize that, you know what, it's bigger than just this idea of, hey, Reese, you don't have to be scared. As I sat with her in her bed and I told, you know, I was talking to her, you don't have to be scared. I realized that she needs exactly what we need. She just doesn't need the idea of, hey, you know, you don't have to be scared. She needs to learn how to sow this word into her life. That as I began to talk to her about the fact that Jesus is always with you. He, you know, he says that he never leaves you, never forsakes you. You've got somebody greater than you. Yes, there's scary things that are going to come into your life. But it's not just, not just the idea of knowing, um, knowing, you know, things in reality to say, you don't have to be scared because I showed her all the doors are locked. And you don't have to be scared because all the windows are closed. You don't have to be scared because, you know, the, the outside, you know, it's too cold for anybody to be hanging out there anyways, just waiting to come in. So, but all, none of that stuff matters. But as we began to speak the word to her, you know, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, Reese. He's filled you with his spirit of love. He's filled you with power. He's given you, a, you know, a mind that can just be at peace. 
hurts. And, and she's, she's like, okay, Dad, it's all right. Just go. She's like, you don't even have to lay with me anymore. And I was like, sweet, I'm going to bed. You know, so she, uh, she goes to sleep. The next morning, you know, she, um, she wakes up and she's singing in the hallway. And she's singing this song. It's to the, to the, to the tune of God rest you merry gentlemen. But it's uh, her own words of, you know, I don't have to be scared because you are with me. As I hear her singing those words, just, you know, reiterating it, planting it deep into her heart. She came to our bed last night, you know, but, uh, you know, she's got to sew that in there a little bit deeper. But realizing that it takes some time, it takes some effort, but our kids need it. They need it. Don't, don't wait till too late to, you know, or, or somewhere down the road to think, you know, our kids can be spiritual. They are now. And I encourage you to be sowing that into their life. We talked about heart conditions last week and about how Satan's trying to steal the word right away. You know, he's trying to take your attention so that you're not paying attention to any of it and you miss it. You know, we talked about how the seed, when it's planted, it takes some time to grow. Remember, and you think, you know, if you give up before you see something push through the surface, you miss out on what God wanted to do in your life. So he plants a word in your life that matters, and you hold on to it. And you say, you know what, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to believe what's true. What the Bible says is true. Because, you know, sometimes if we don't see something, we want to change and say, well, okay, that part of the Bible's not true. You know, and then, then, then there's more. Well, that part's not true anymore. And, and then we start doubting so much of this. You know, the Bible says in James that if, if, you, um, if you are doubting, it's like you're tossed like to and fro on the waves. And it says, don't let that person think they're going to receive anything from God. Why? Because the, the, their belief is not, is not saying, hey, I believe what's true no matter what. I read the story this week of Peter as he was in the boat sailing with his, with his homies and, uh, you know, they're in a storm and then Jesus is walking on the water. And we, we know this story where Jesus says to Peter, you, you know, hey guys, it's me, it's Jesus. And they're like, if you're Jesus, tell me to come walking on the water. That's what Peter's like. He's always got to be really super brave, right? And so Jesus says, all right then, Peter, come on. Gets a word from God saying, I'm Jesus and you can walk on water. And Peter gets out of the boat and what? He walks on water. Uh, amazing, miraculous thing. Why? Because Jesus said he could do it. When Jesus says you can do something, you can do that. But then, just like we learned with these verses last week, that the enemy comes right away to try and attack you for believing. Do you know why Peter sank? Because he walked on water. Because he stepped out to believe God. That's why he was challenged. He wasn't going to sink if he stayed in the boat. He wasn't going to be, you know, where the enemy's going to come and test that thing because he doesn't believe in God for anything anyways. He was just in the boat. So you say, you know what, I, oh, the enemy's attacking my life. Good, means you're doing something. Means you, you know, and to so say, keep believing God. Keep staying in there and say, okay, God, I trust your word is true no matter what. I don't see it in my life yet. My kids are not saved yet, but God, I'm believing you uh, that, you know, you're, you're a God who saves, that it can be generational, that, and, and praying their eyes would continue to be open and holding onto, onto truth. You know, maybe you're looking and saying, you know what? And I'm believing you for healing, and I'm not seeing it yet. Say, I'm going to just stay believing in truth. I'm not going to doubt. God, I'm believe what you say is true, no matter what. No matter what. Learning to just trust God and trust that his word is true. If it's not true, you know, there's a whole lot of you here this morning that are wasting a lot of good time. You know, there's probably still Boxing Week sales on somewhere where they couldn't clear out every dollar store or whatever. You could be there right now shopping to your heart's content, or you could be skiing somewhere. Why are you here this morning? Because if one part's not true, then potentially Jesus dying for you, giving his life for you to save you, that's potentially not true as well. So in, if you say, you know, I believe it to be true, I believe it to be true. Uh, the other thing is that what you believe matters. It matters. What do you believe? Jesus said that to Peter. Who do you say that I am? My question for you this morning is what do you believe? Do you believe the word of God? It doesn't matter if I believe it. I can't believe it for you. 
What do you believe? What you believe matters. You know, there's stories of how they capture elephants. Probably heard this where they take baby elephants, tie them to a tree with a chain that they can't break. That elephant will pull and pull and pull until it gives up and his spirit is broken and realizes I can never get away. Those elephants, they can put them on a chain later on in life when they're huge. They got a chain around their ankle that's tied to a little stake and that elephant won't move. Why? Because what does it believe? It believes that it's bound. It believes that it's captured. It believes that it's powerless. And yet we know that all it takes is one, you know, one hundredth of its strength to pull that peg out of the ground and it's on its way to freedom. But what it believes matters. What are you believing? Believing, oh man, I can't break that habit. Oh man, you know, the devil's just got me so bound up. Galatians says you're free. You know, we studied all the way through that. You are free because you're already free. You've got the greater one living inside of you. You've got, you know, the, the Holy Spirit of God, the one who raised Jesus from the dead, living inside of you, and you are free. Ah, oh, but you know what? I just can't kick this habit. Oh, I just, you know, that's, you know, I can't, I can't stay away from it. I'm powerless to it. You're not. You just don't understand the freedom. You, what you believe matters. You know, it's um, closer to home. You know, uh, in our house, my wife, she's um, afraid of spiders, and uh, it, it happens every once in a while. I know some of you are like, ooh, 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 ooh. I know, I can see that on you. It's, not, it's pretty common. But uh, every time we get bananas, we get these little spiders in our house. And, and I'll hear that, that particular tone in her voice when she yells down, Han! And I know that's the one. You know, there's a spider. You know, it's like, come on, be the hero. And I come rushing in and save the day. And it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. And except when it happens like five times in a day. And I was like, oh, seriously, you know you can squish this spider, right? She's like, yeah, I know I could, but you're just so much better. And oh, I don't want to touch it. Well, one day, one day I woke up and um, uh, I heard from the bathroom as I was, walking over. It was like this crazy death scream. I thought, oh no, she cut her leg off shaving or something. I don't know, but this is terrible. And uh, she comes out. She's like, there was a spider on the Kleenex and I actually touched it. Ah, it was on me. It was on me. Sorry, hon. It's good. It's a good illustration. But um, I'm not going in that bathroom ever again. Unless you go in there and kill that spider and show me the guts. I need to know that I know that it's gone. You know, as I got, went in there, found it, sure enough, it was there. It was not quite as ginormous as she had uh, made it to, to be. But it was this little thing. How does something so tiny have so much power over a person? When you know you can squish it, it's something about what you actually believe. It affects, you know, how, how your, your response and your reaction to life. Spider's one thing. It matters in big areas of life, too. How do you respond to things? How do you respond to fear? How do you respond to temptation when Satan's put it on you? Do you realize you can just squish that thing because you got Christ in you? It's what Ephesians is all about and and why I said I want to spend some time on this idea of the heart so you don't miss what God wants to do in your life through uh, the book of Ephesians. Satan will attract or attack the truth that you believe. In John 14, he said to his disciples, he said, guys, you know, you see me doing miracles. He says, you know what? If you believe, you'll do the same ones and greater ones too. Not greater in spectacular, but greater in number. Because 12 guys can do a whole lot more than one guy. You know, if all 12 of them bought into the idea that, you know what, we can do what Jesus did. He said, but you can do this if you, what? Believe. If you believe. Think about that for a second. You know, it tells something about us. Do we really believe? Oh, yes, I believe. Up here. But we've been learning about how it matters is what we believe in here. The Bible talks about as a man thinks inside in his heart and his soul. That's how he is. What do I believe here? You know, you don't just believe that just by good ideas. That happens by sowing what? The word. 
into your life because it builds faith and it, it actually, it's faith is wrapped up in his word. As you put it in your heart, that's what begins to grow in your life. It just doesn't just happen. It's we continuously sow that into our lives. So he's saying, you know, if you believe, you're going to be doing stuff like this. Well, if I, if, you know, if you're the devil, and I know you're not, so, no, yeah, you're not. So if, but if you're, if you were the devil, what would you attack? What would you, how does he know? He don't know. He don't know my husband, Shesh. Uh, but if, uh, if you were the devil, and, and Jesus said, hey, if you believe, you can do this. The devil's greatest tricks are not to try and, you know, put pain on you, put fear in your life, you know, put temptation in your road. His greatest opportunity is to change what you believe. If he can change what you believe, you're powerless, right? If you believe a spider can, you know, destroy you, you're powerless. If you believe that chain around your ankle is strong enough to hold you, you're powerless. He didn't have to do anything. But guess what? If you believe that those chains are broken in Jesus' name, they're broken, look out. If you believe that, you know, the, the, the greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world, that devil's just, you know, he's, he's tiny compared to Jesus. He's got power, but not that much, not more than you, not more than what God's given you. What do you believe? What do you believe? This morning, you know, we talked last week too about guarding your heart. You know, guarding your heart because everything's trying to sow stuff in there as well. And it all grows. You know, if you allow, you know, cares of this world, the, the, the desire to be rich, if you allow that to be sown in your life, it's going to mess you up. You know, Jesus is saying, hey, be careful, because those kind of things just grow up and they choke out what I'm trying to do in your life. So be careful of that. We talked about guarding your heart last week, and, and I had some questions after the service on Saturday, and we had some questions throughout the week from some, some people that were talking about guarding your heart. What does that term really mean? Some were some saying, you know, what about this whole idea, you know, like you wear they didn't understand the difference of the heart. I want to just talk about that this morning so you understand what we're talking about when we say guard your heart. They say, you know, people wear their heart on their sleeve or, you know, last week we talked about if your son, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's got a criminal record and he's hanging out with bad dudes and, you know, he's doing and saying, you know, terrible stuff and he's on his way to prison and you're like, oh, he has a good heart. No, he doesn't. You know, it's out of that heart where all this junk is coming from. After service last week, I had a mom come up to me and say, well, you know, that's my son. He's on his way to, you know, he's, he's, he's hanging out in bad places. He's just about off parole, and, but he's got a good heart. And I'm like, uh, like uh, and she's like, I know what you said, but my son has a good heart. You know, and he, he, just, he just helps the wrong kind of people. So I began to realize that she's not really talking about the same heart that I'm talking about. He's got a real loving personality and a real you know, uh, uh, some, some good intentions in his life, but his heart is still leading him to the wrong type of people. And why? Uh, you know, uh, last week we had somebody mention, you know, I let people into my life, into my heart, and I always get hurt. I get burned. I forgive people and I get hurt and burned again. So I had some questions about this. I was like, what is this thing about, what, what are we thinking about when we hear the term, guard your heart? So as I'm Googling, I realize there's a lot on there. And I realize why I haven't had much understanding of this term because it, most of it's in women's magazines. So I began to read women's magazines this week. And you guys seriously are entertained by some strange stuff. But as, I, as I'm reading through um, uh, this, these women's magazines about guarding your heart, uh, I saw that, you know, especially the Christian magazines, there's this big, this big thought of, you know, as you girls growing up, guard your heart. You know, and it's all about relationships and dating. Guarding your heart is all about finding your future spouse. You know, so don't talk to boys. Definitely don't wave at them. That'll give them the wrong idea. You know, don't, uh, don't, don't, don't speak to them or hang out with them because they're going to think you're flirting and, you know, you need to guard your heart. You need to guard theirs as well. Don't, don't look at boys, talk to boys, um, even anything. With, don't think about boys until you're married. And then, uh, you know, you've achieved the goal in life and, you know, your marriage is going to be successful because you guarded your heart. 
And it's just thinking about that, you know, so often as Christians, we want to teach our kids, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, but we don't teach them how. You know, it's so much better to teach our kids how to have relationships with the opposite sex and how to have relationships that are based on loving God and loving people, right? Because if you love God and love people, there's going to be respect, mutual respect in relationships. It's not like you, you know, you wave at them and they're in bed the next minute, right? That doesn't happen, right? It, but it's sometimes this idea, and what is that as parents, we have this thought of, you know, I want to protect them from all, you know, emotional, relational pain. You can't protect yourself from emotional, relational pain. You know, if they think, hey, that's what's happening in my life and I must not be guarding my heart, it's not what it's talking about. You can't protect your kids from all the emotional and relational pain. But you can teach them how. Because you know what? As you teach them about loving God and loving people, yeah, they might go through some difficult relationships, but they're going to learn other things like forgiveness, like peace, how to live in peace, how to have patience. Maybe it's long-suffering even. But they're going to learn other parts of relationships that you need if you're going to get married. Yes, amen? <laughs> if you teach them that it's all going to be this, this utopian part, it's not. So you're saying there's a, there's a part of your heart that chooses who you're going to marry. And God says wisdom. There's definitely wisdom that comes in our hearts that allows us, that protects us from pain. Um, I watch Amer- America's Funniest Home Videos with my kids on YouTube. I love it. That show made its living off of people who don't, you know, have wisdom in their heart at all. You can't have a 400-pound man jump off a, uh, you know, off a shed into a, into a kiddie pool and not get hurt, right? You can't drive a bike, you know, down 50 steps and then jump onto a skateboard and not get hurt. I, I just love what people think they can do. But what if you sow wisdom into your heart? It's going to protect you from some pain. The Bible does talk about that. But you know what? Jesus' biggest thing was loving God and loving people. And you can't love without the opportunity to be hurt. That's going to happen. You know, if we, were talk- if we were around Jesus and he was saying, hey, guard your heart, and it was all about relationships, you know, we'd be like, Jesus, wait a second. When you're picking the 12 disciples, hold on, hold on. You know Judas? Like, seriously, you're going to pick him to be one of your, you know, your 12 buddies? Don't, man. Guard your heart. Stay away from that dude. He's bad news. Because you know, he's going to betray you. He betrays him with a kiss. You know, what about the rest of them? The other 11, you know, Peter denies them when he needs them the most. You know, the 11 of them run away when he's in his darkest hour. And yet Jesus said, you know, I'm going to love, love people. Loving people, there's an opportunity for that. Don't take this to the far extreme. You're like, okay, you know, so I'm going to hang out with, you know, people who are like abusive and whatever else. It's not that the Bible talks about wisdom. But it's saying this idea of if I'm, if I'm getting hurt in my heart, I must not be guarding it. It's not talking about that. Your heart, a lot of times you mess up feelings and what the heart really is. You know, God's not talking about just guarding and protecting your feelings. You know, say, you know, oh, you hear this girl's, oh, I'm so in love. You know, that's feelings. Wait till you get married and, you know, 10 years in, are you still in love? Can be. But it takes some hard work. You know, oh, he broke my heart. And the feelings, you know, your heart's, your heart, your real heart's not broken. Because the heart really is, in a better idea of what Jesus is talking about, the heart is the control center of your life. It's not this, it's not, it, there's a part of where feelings and stuff are involved, but it's the control center. That's why he's saying it's so important to guard that part of you. What you're sowing into your life and what you're allowing to grow in your life is bringing about fruit in your life. You are reaping and sowing every single day. What are you sowing today? You can decide that, but whatever is sown, you're going to reap fruit of that in your life. He's talking about making sure that you understand that weeds grow too. In Galatians chapter 6, the Bible just talks about you reap whatever you sow. You know, if you sow to your flesh, you're going to reap from the flesh corruption. You, you ever have that? You sow that, that, that thing's, that temptation, man, this is going to be awesome. You know, this time, you know, it's going to matter. I know last time was kind of empty feeling, but this time it's going to, this time it's going to do it. If I could just make that much more money, or if I could just uh, date that girl, or if I could just, whatever, look at that online, or whatever it is, it's going to matter. 
and it's always empty. He says, you're sowing to your flesh, you reap corruption. But if you sow to your spirit, you reap life. If you're sowing the word in there, you're going to reap life. The word is zoe. It means everlasting life. It means abundant life. It means blessed life. It means fullness of life. We talked about it. Our job is to equip Christians, followers of Jesus, to live lives that are victorious because it's not a guarantee. I want to leave you with these thoughts. We're almost done. How do you do it? How do you guard your heart? How do you start making a difference here so that you can see fruit in your life later? Two, two scriptures. I want you to write them down. There's a spot in there that says notes. Write them down because we're not going to have a chance to go through them all. But Proverbs chapter 7, um, verse 1 to 3. I love it. I love it. The sounds music to my ears. Why? Because I know you're going to go and do something with it. And if you write something down, you're 20% more likely to remember it. So that's good too. Proverbs chapter 7. says this, my son, keep my words, treasure my commands within you, keep my commands and live, and my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers, write them on the tablet of your heart. He's saying, keep my words, guard my words, pay attention to my words, not just about, you know, the words you hear, because there's commands you're going to hear all over the place that are going to tell you, hey, you know what, we don't talk about religion and politics. It might be a command at your work, but he says, keep mine. You know, where Jesus, his disciples had the same thing, where people said, hey, you don't talk about Jesus anymore. And uh, he said, we can't help but talk about Jesus in Acts. We know he's changed our lives. Having that as saying, you know, keeping his commands. Um, and it says, and live. The word live in, in Hebrew is called shea. It means to be full of life. It's similar to that word zoe. It means that, that fullness of life, that, uh, that living prosperously, being fully alive. When I was in Bible school, my brother got a dog. It's uh, he has this little black and white puppy, really super cute. And he's like, yeah, we're going to name it Buddy or something like that. And I was like, no, you know what? I'm in Bible school. You should name it something that matters, like the word Shea. Let's call this dog Shea. And he's like, it means full of life. He's like, it's kind of lame, but you know the meaning's cool, so we'll call this dog Shea. We called the dog Shea. It died. So um, it, didn't, it didn't matter. But, but he's saying, you know what? Have this idea of being full of life, full of life. Braveheart said it really well. Every man dies, but not every man really lives. Every Christian might be around, but not every one of them really lives fruitful lives. Which one are you going to be? There's a determination in us to say we're going to do something different, and what is it? He says, hide this word. Hide my word. And it doesn't mean hide it between now and next Sunday on a shelf somewhere. Hide it somewhere close to you. He says, bind it on your fingers. That's why I keep it real close to you wherever you are. Write it on the tablet of your heart. I don't know how he knew there were going to be tablets around, but, you know, everybody's got an iPad, a tablet, a phablet. Yes, write it on the tablet of your heart. You know, every one of you, you're apple by nature. You got, like, he says, keep it in the apple of your eye, and, you know, there's, a, there's an iPad in every one of you. Uh, and he says, write on that tablet inside of you the word. Keep it close um, to, to, to where your heart is. And he says, how do you do that? I read the word. I've done all this stuff. I've, I've, I've tried what you're talking about and I don't see what you're, I don't get it. How do I get it in here? What's the difference between here and here? He says this, guard your heart. Write it, write it on the tablets of your heart. He's saying, my son, put it in there. Get it in there. How do you do it? Psalm 45 verse 1 just as it's beginning this psalm, just talks about this and says, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer, writing on the, on the tablet of my heart. He says the tongue, the tongue, what you say and what you speak, not only is it telling you what's already in your heart, but it's also the same way that you can speak something different to your heart. The Bible talks about meditating on the word in Psalm chapter one. Write that down. You can read through that. It's not in the thing. But Psalm chapter one, it just says, you know, those who meditate, those who are just speaking the word, it's not like this idea of meditation, like sit with your legs crossed in your room in the dark. Mm -hmm. It's not working. Uh, 
saying, you know, sew this thing in there. Put it in there. Engrave it. You know, the word pen is the word engraving tools. Engrave it in your heart. It's not the idea of, you know, like um, uh, going and doing graffiti on a train car that gets painted over the next day. You're like, oh man, I'll just do it again. It's saying, you know what? Engrave it in there so that it can't be changed. So that it's so what I believe is what his word says and, and have it there. Um, you know, I'll leave you with this thought. I know it works. I know it works. Uh, many of you know my story, my testimony of living life, growing up being just terrified. I lived in fear the same as I understand with my daughter. I know many of you have the same thing. You have fears that cripple you. They stop you from doing what which, which you uh, want to do, what you desire to do, what God desires for you to do. You just got fears inside that are holding you back. He says this, that you don't have to live in fear. Perfect love, his love, him, he casts out fear. As so I was a kid, I realized I was terrified of speaking uh, in front of people, but I was scared to talk to anyone. Like, people just scared me. I don't know why. I thought everybody looking at me was like, you know, angry at me. Some of you are, because you wish I was done. But, um, you know, I, it doesn't bother me anymore, so sorry. Uh, but so, he set me free. So, uh, but this, this idea of it would matter so much that I, I would be crippled and, 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 and hindered from doing, doing anything. I, you know, I, I thought I would have no friends, and I didn't have any friends. Why? Because I thought everybody hated me. I thought I was a loser. I thought all of this stuff about my life, and it was fear-based. You know, I was afraid of what people would think until, you know, as I got through and started getting to know Jesus, my parents said this too. They said, you know what? Begin to sow this word into your heart. Second Timothy 1.7, they just gave me one verse and said, you know what? God's not giving you a spirit of fear, Mark, but a love, power, and a sound mind. Why am I doing that with my daughter? Because it works. Begin to just meditate on that. What is that? Begin to speak it. Letting my tongue speak out something that I didn't yet see. I was terrified. I was still scared. Some of you have testimonies. Deb, I love her testimony. Ask her about it. She, she used to like face wolves and, uh, you know, it's a um, good story. But same, same thing. Begin to speak truth. What's true? God, you didn't give me a spirit of fear. You've given me a spirit of love, your love. You've given me a spirit of power. You've given me a, a sound mind. I can have peace up here. And I began to speak that even though everything was, everything was against it in my life. Well, guess what? After a while, and it took a while, wasn't, it wasn't a couple days, it wasn't a couple months, it might have been a year for that seed to bear fruit in my life where fear doesn't hold me back anymore. I still get that spot where he wants to just put that in there and be like, oh, they're thinking this, it doesn't matter. You know, Lori walked out and the fear that just grabs me like, uh-oh, I offended her. You know what, she's going to think of me. Maybe she's mad at me. Is she mad at me? I don't know. We'll find out. Thought that, seriously, right here before. And yet you just push through push through. Why? Because it could just cripple and, and, and want to. Some of you have things that, that God wants to set you free from. Just desires to. The key to that is to just begin to sow truth. Whatever that truth is, the opposite of what you're believing now, what you find in his word, not someone's idea, his word. Sow it into your heart. My, my challenge, as best as I can the past two weeks, has been this. That you would say, my heart matters enough that I want to guard it and sow into it the truth. We pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word that illuminates in us where we're really at. God, thank you that uh, your word is also like seed and it has the opportunity to bear fruit in our lives. God, I want your fruit in my life. I want to determine to guard and protect and believe what you say to be true until I see it. God, I thank you for that heart, that passion, that desire, that hunger in people that are here this morning for that same thing. Thank you for what you're doing in this place, Lord. Love seeing just you... Uh, you drawing on people's hearts and lives. And I pray that you take uh, them the next step this week, that even today, later on, tomorrow, they just jump, jump into your word, that you'd make it alive in them. Reveal yourself to them.
for your kingdom, for your name, for your glory. We pray. Amen.